0: 7654321 You'll never have these stone. <laughs> Oh this new crazy mother
1: Welcome friends to episode 187 of Color Magic Imagine Gaming Podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers I am your host Saquon Watson and for 187 episodes Still got my man Brian Allen with me. How's it going, dude? One eight seven. (laughs) I know. I really thought like I should open up with like some Dre or Snoop Dogg or whatever, but like I have no idea if we just get like copyright claimed on a podcast, (laughs) so probably wasn't a good idea. Well,
0: like, be like bad covers are okay, right? According, to, I know YouTube says you know covers are, are fine. So be- that's true. We could have well, done our one eight seven on an undercover cow. There you go. <laughs> good. Uh,
1: what's bad is there's people listening to this that won't even get that reference. Also true, and yeah, <laughs>
0: sad it, 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 but accurate.
1: That's where we're at. Like, there was Snoop's a dude too like, urban, you know. Yeah, that's true. I had did somebody still tell me that. No, there was a guy. I think on TikTok, he was like mind blown because he was like, I just had somebody tell me that if Back to the Future was made today and they kept the same timeline, people would just be going back to 1993. Wild, but yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But that much time has passed. Like people don't realize, like when you listen to something that now hits the oldie station and it's from like 91.
0: (laughs) But and you it's think, like, unless you live through it, a 1993, say, doesn't feel probably as different as as the 1980s, for example, do from the 2000s. Of course, it also helps that Back to the Futures 2000 had flying cars
1: and well, sure. and, and, the, like, and laser-generated shark scene movie displays and stuff. I so. don't think people realize, though, that 1990 is 30 years ago now. Yeah. That's a long time. Though it's funny 1955
0: to 1985 <laughs> is just such a huge jump in the way people did things. It's
1: wild. Yeah, right? I think that that's the other thing that makes it feel different, right? Because like everything was different. The clothes, the cars, yeah. you know, just structures of society, you know, the computers, TVs, all of it was so different. Whereas like when you look from nineteen ninety to now, like, yeah, you know, we have cell phones and whatever, but like yeah. it doesn't feel as different, I think, for a lot of people. So one of the things he brought up was, you know, the songs and everything that you hear. And he said, "What would be one of the first songs that would clearly tell you you're in 1993?" And I, th- I think something from Nirvana, right? Ooh, no, that was later. That go. was like ninety four, five, ninety five. Well, think sometimes so. they miss by about three or four years in yeah. movies. I think, though, what he pointed out was "Inner Sandman" from Metallica. Yeah. And that's I was like, yeah, one. that's fair. That That's one where you kind of go, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> but yeah, man, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. So before we get into everything, as always, got to tell you about our show sponsor, Cardsphere.com. Great place where you can buy, sell, trade magic cards. And honestly, literally, I know I bring it up a lot, but truthfully, naming your price on what you want to pay or what you want to sell something for is such a nice convenience. And I've literally been using it to finish off my own decks. So, you know. I'm I'm not just a supporter. I'm also a client or whatever they said, like the hair club for men or whatever right. way back when. But yeah, really, you should check them out. Good people over there, over at Cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic and get a shout out just like Hubert Huang. Thank you very much for being a sponsor of the show. And you can always go to Color of slash shop and pick up some goodies that uh, just help us pay some bills and get you some little trinkets that got our likenesses on. But otherwise, let's get into the things here and uh, get into the soapbox. This one, I guess, okay, so for those who don't play a lot of Commander, they kind of have this rule zero thing, which applies to a lot of games. A lot of people generally apply it to like role playing games, and I believe that's where it originated. But basically, You sit down and discuss what is the, effectively, what is the experience you want to get out of your game. And that's becoming a thing pretty regular for commander players, especially with us doing command fest and magic cons and people starting to come out to stores again or whatever. You're playing with a lot of strangers and you want to just get the best gaming experience for everybody. And generally for me, what I what I do is I've been, instead of, you know, because people tried for a while giving their deck a number on strength and it was like on a 1 to 10 scale, where everybody's going to say theirs is like a 6 or a 7. So, like, that that doesn't solve nothing. And then there's other people who tried to, like, come up with a chart, that like, if your deck has these things, add a point, if your deck has these but that's too much work to do. So, ultimately, what I've come around to is just asking people, okay, what are you hoping to get out of your gaming experience? How many turns, at a minimum, are you expecting the game to go? And does your deck tend to do any things that are just classified as competitive? Like, do you have combos in your deck? Are you tutoring for a bunch of stuff? Are you playing a bunch of counter spells? You know, that sort of thing. And usually that gets you pretty close, right? Because a lot of people are carrying anywhere between three and hell. Some of them brought like 20 decks to these things. But three or five, three to five decks usually. So people have some stuff to pick from. Different skill levels, power levels. And the gaming, and honestly, I can say it works most of the time. I would say in the last year, I've been to, gosh, I don't know, six or eight events now. Played tons of games with them with tons of different people. And only had two times where it didn't really work out well. And both times ended up just killing the person to get them off the table so the other people could enjoy the game. Right? It was sacrificing one for the greater good of the table, effectively. But this most recent time, this past weekend in uh, Minneapolis, which, by the way, Minneapolis, great city. First time I've been there. Uh, Look forward to going back. Hopefully get to explore more of the city. But this player, for whatever reason, even after we sat there, had a discussion, everybody's like, okay, cool. I'll swap out to this deck because this deck's more friendly and does this thing or whatever. All right. Awesome. We're all kind of on the same page. And the other guy tried to, like, downplay what his deck does. And then immediately, we're like, dude, you're just playing a stacks deck. And for those who don't know, stack space has a whole bunch of different things that just, it's a bunch of restrictions. Like, everything costs more, and you can't search your deck, and you can't do this. Like, And he knew the other people's commanders, so you basically just shut off two people's decks. Now, unfortunately, it didn't affect mine. So I, again, just attacked him to get him off table so I could unlock two people's decks and we can have a fun game of Magic. But it was really sad that somebody would go out of their way to try to just make the game purposely unfun for two. Basically, just make it where two people can't play Magic. And it's just like, what are are you hoping to get out of that experience? Because if you win, nobody's going to care. You're not impressing anybody. If anything, you're losing the chance to make some new friends because that's not going to be a positive reinforcement of anything. So it was just just weird, you know? And even talking with the player afterwards, it turns out, like, he just comes from this place where there's just... Everybody plays super competitive decks. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. But there's literally spaces where... Hell, in the same space we were in, there's staff walking around with signs for competitive, and they're just putting people together. Like, he could have had a pod of competitive players under three minutes. Hell, maybe under two minutes. (laughs) Honestly. So it's just like, in those environments, there's no need. And I get it. At your local store, if you show up and there's just a handful of y'all, you got to find a way to make it work or whatever, because there's just not people to play with. But in that environment where you literally have thousands of people to pick from that are constantly rotating and people sitting down and everybody's asking, hey, you looking for a game? Do you want to play? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to be that person. And I just don't understand the mentality because, like, and and this is gonna sound rude, but it's like if a, a track star shows up to the Special Olympics and beats somebody when you know they have a handicap. Like, what are you getting out of that? Right? Like, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything. Now, fortunately, in both times that's popped up, the player did not win the pod. Fortunately, it was a situation like this time where their deck didn't affect mine very much, so I was at least able to just get a couple of big attacks in and end it. But I kind of had to be the bad guy a little bit to be the hero for the other two players. You know, and it's just like, ah, tough loss. And that puts me in a bad spot because obviously, you know, I'm on the commander advisory group and, you know, being a content creator and a public face and whatever. But, you know, you do what you got to do, right? You got got to make a decision. So it, it's tough. But I don't know, man. I, I just, it just bothers me that people would want to purposely take away some level of fun when there's no reason to. Like, I just didn't understand it. Now, it's one thing if we all sit down and we say, yeah, I have a competitive deck, and competitive deck, and yours just pops off before the other ones do. Great. We all know what we signed up for. And I'm okay with that. Same thing when I play 60 card magic, right? If I show up for a tournament, and I just get that pairing that whoops me, or you got a really boring, slow, control, counterspell deck, whatever. Like, it's a tournament. We're all doing what we got to do. But when we're sitting down to play Commander, it's like, come on, man. Like, don't don't be that person. Don't be that person. All right, that's my rant. I'm going to hand this over to you. All
0: right, I got uh, a little more fun one. Uh, Odyssey Interactive, which is uh, made up of uh, some former developers from Riot Games, has uh, basically a game called Omega Strikers. It's kind of like, what if a bunch of League of Legends characters sat down to play a game of three-on-three soccer? That is as wild and as crazy as what it sounds like. You are essentially playing soccer slash hockey where you're trying to put what is the core, which is essentially like a small hockey puck-shaped object into the goal, but you're using all these League of Legends-style superpowers like force fields and energy bolts and things like that. It is just... especially If you have any kind of love for MOBAs or arcade sports titles and yeah, I would be at the club growing up. Arcade sports is a big thing. NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, and just recently. Oh, dude. All, been, all the way
1: back on Nintendo was that Super Dodgeball. Right.
0: <laughs> it has that vibe of, okay, yeah, this is kind of sports, but really it's more just, you know, it's Kamehameha sports. You know, it's, it's anime sports, essentially. And I personally love games. Like, if you have any kind of love for, ga- by the way, it's free to play and it's on, I think, just about everything, it's on PC on all the consoles, including the Nintendo Switch right now. Totally free to play, and everything you can buy is only cosmetic. It doesn't help with gameplay in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So definitely if you enjoy, I would say if, especially if you enjoy anything League of Legends or MOBA-based, I would say give it a try. See if this is your jam. If you enjoy NBA jams or, uh, like like Dequan said, Super Dodgeball, for those of us that are all the Dirt river super dodgeball definitely give this one a try somebody else referred to it as kind of a mix of splatoon and overwatch in the same game okay that that so
1: sounds like a little bit of a stretch but okay
0: <laughs> it, 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 kind of similar because you know weird weird anime type special abilities but then also playing a sport
1: now are these developers that like I don't know, did they leave because of some reason or did they just start because they just wanted to do some other projects? Yeah,
0: I, I am not sure. The the, the okay. story I have pulled up just mentions that there are former leads from Riot.
1: Interesting. Okay, hey, I'm down. Why not? Like, sounds interesting. I, I might give it a go. I don't know how actively I would play it, but it sounds like a good game to have in, like, your Steam profile when you just have, like, yeah, let me go kill 20 minutes. Yeah. Very good game. You
0: can usually play in five minutes, and then all of a sudden you've been there for two hours. Because <laughs> it's just uh, just one more. Just
1: one more. I Dude, think I figured
0: this character out. Just one more.
1: That already gets me in, like, team fight tactics, where I'm like, yep. all right, games take, like, 20, 25 minutes. And I'm like, ah, you know what? That was a close one. Let me try one more. And then, you know, five games later, I'm like, dude, it's two in the morning. I got to go to bed. Next thing you
0: know, you're on YouTube. Like, Let me figure out a build for the slime girl. Dude, I've played
1: enough that I've heard the birds making noise in the morning. Right. I'm like, oh, I got to go to sleep. (laughs) Oh, All right. Let's get in some fun stuff and talk about some interesting things that we learned this week. Because uh, I think we have two very different things here. So what do you got?
0: Yeah, uh, Phil Spencer, kind of the head of the Xbox brand, gave a very interesting interview. As you know, as we talked about last week, Redfall kind of came out, <laughs> crashed and burned. Was in theory going to be Microsoft's big Xbox exclusive for the first part of the year, and he just—I've I- been doing this for twenty years now. I have never heard an executive for one of the brands say, "You know what? <laughs> we just lost. Okay, <laughs> the console war is over. We're in third. We basically accept that." He said that there is no world in which Starfield comes out and it's so incredible, people sell their PlayStation 5 and start playing Xbox. That's not the way the world works anymore. So he's as I said, it's a bizarre kind of interview to hear because usually they're like, hey, you know, we're gonna do this. We we believe that this will turn the brand around. And no, that's just that's not where they are anymore. Nobody is believing, you know, again, what Nintendo is doing, they are incredible at. What Sony is doing, they are incredible at. Mark, Microsoft is very visibly trying to figure out where they fit into all this.
1: And, you know, that's what I was talking about last week was just like, if that was their plan, there's no way Redfall should have been allowed to release. Like really, if you're saying this has to be one of our pillars, you know, one of our major signposts for the year if that means you got to push it back two months or whatever, it's got to be clean when it comes out. And the fact that they let that go the way they did, something just didn't feel right there. Like, I, I don't know if it's a communication thing, if if somebody just said, nope, we spent too much money, it's got to get out the door, like, whatever. But, it, man, somebody I'm sure definitely... sure at some, some point
0: there will be multiple stories from all the, the sites that cover gaming just going deeply into how such a big failure happened at a time when Microsoft really could not afford one. Yeah. Cause some, somebody fumbled the bag bad on that one. Yeah. Like I, the first time arcane to my knowledge has put out a game that is reviewed this badly. So you feel like it's on Microsoft because this is, this is the big differentiating factor. This is, you, you feel like there, I, mean, I, I don't know for a fact, but it just feels like there probably was a lot of pressure because they have had to... I think this game's been postponed. They have had to postpone so many games that were going to be the reason you would buy an Xbox until this point. It's really too late. They even got the huge break at the beginning where you couldn't even find a PlayStation 5.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's that true. was their time to make hay, and they missed it. No, that you that's totally right. Like They had the opportunity where... They were able to supply the market and the competition couldn't and they fell behind. Yeah, so that that was the
0: if they didn't win when you couldn't even get people just rather than buy an Xbox just waited until they could get either a Switch or a PlayStation
1: 5. And which is pretty crazy, really, when you think about it. Like that that's again, somebody just fumbled all the way around, yeah. you know. Well, it's crazy
0: until you think about what if you look brand by brand. Obviously, Nintendo's first party titles are above reproach. If you get a Nintendo Switch, you know you will have a Mario game. And it's going to be, you're going to have multiple, you're going to have a Mario game in almost every genre that
1: exists. You're going to get get Zelda something or other, probably a Kirby game. Yeah, Donkey (laughs)
0: Kong. You know you're going to get your money's worth by buying a Nintendo product. PlayStation, really, I think you have to say at this point, going back. Two to three console generations, you're gonna get God of War. You're yeah. gonna they are crushing it on the original games. Xbox, you you got
1: Halo, and Halo wasn't that good this time around. <laughs> Plus, what what gets Nintendo through too is the long play games like yeah Animal Crossing, Stardew right. Valley, you know whatever. Like those sell a lot of consoles, and I don't think Microsoft has hasn't had anything like that in a while. No, I mean, really, the Xbox
0: was kind of, I hate to say it, but the brand was for bros. You know, you played Halo. Yeah, you played much. Gears of War. and yeah. Oh, and then, by the way, your kids played Minecraft and you got off of the thing, but, but just, yeah. <laughs> the, the, they really didn't. And I, you know, I think they, you know, they purchased Minecraft hoping, OK, yeah, this will really just... This will blow us up. but I mean, don't get it
1: twisted. They're still making a lot of money on Minecraft. Oh, yeah, Minecraft is awesome. (laughs) They're making dumb money on Minecraft. Uh, But, yeah, the other stuff not doing well. All the purchases
0: they hoped would expand the tent have just failed to do so. And, yeah, at some point we probably will get maybe even – we're to the point where even if the worst-case scenario were to happen and Fallout is Xbox-exclusive uh Skyrim is Xbox exclusive. It probably wouldn't even turn it around at this point. That's how far behind they've fallen, and they know it. That you're probably right, honestly,
1: because I'm thinking about it, and going like, I probably wouldn't go out of my way. I'd probably just go. Ah, I won't be playing this one. Yeah. You know. Like <laughs> Catch you next time around. Yeah, that's that's rough. Uh, for for me. It was kind of an interesting realization this weekend that, you know, I've been invited to a few events now and it's been nice and it's, it's been cool to be able to help the events and be part of stuff and kind of keep things moving and make the player experience nice and all that. But there was always part that was like, you know, how important are we as creators to the whole event attraction scene or, or ecosystem to the whole thing? But man, this weekend the number of people I ran into that were there specifically for the creators was huge. I mean, there were there was one person who literally went out and bought the special like uh, I guess you would call it like a a the, like the plastic containers you put your sleeves in. I mean, not your sleeves, but your playmats in like a playmat tube. But he he got some type of special one and. He had this whole thing. He was explaining like, yeah, I want everybody to sign it with this and then this color. So I'm going to varnish it and I'm going to have this thing. And, you know, so that way the signatures are hold, you know, other people bringing all these custom items to get signed and people that were literally like had a checklist of everybody they were trying to meet and take pictures with. And, you know, people saying like, oh, man, you were one of the couple of people I really wanted to meet. And, you know, it's it's cool to finally get to meet you and blah, blah. And I came all the way from wherever. And I'm thinking, these people are spending real money in real time to come see me. Like, this is, this is a different level. And I'm not even one of the big creators. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's the crazy part. Cause I'm like, I still think I'm on the come up. You know what I mean? Like, and it's wild that people are spending that kind of money. Like your favorite creator is your favorite creator, regardless of how many
0: other people are into
1: it. For sure. And, and the fact that, it kind of opened my eyes to we're more than just a part of this. Like we're one of the reasons they sell tickets now. Yeah. Like people are generally going you, when like, you look at how much time people spend on YouTube as opposed
0: to other forms of entertainment. Yeah. And we're moving more and more that way. That's one of the reasons we finally ended up cutting the cord is because we just sat down and realized, you know, I'm like the only one watching cable. Everybody else is watching YouTube videos. Also, no, there's no reason for me for just so I can watch CNN, essentially.
1: Dude, I remember when I cut the cord, I was thinking like, man, this is going to feel weird or whatever. But what I realized is if it wasn't for live sports, I wouldn't even have yeah, Lulu live. Funny. Like right. that makes sense for me to have it. But a lot of my other, because I have Hulu Live, I get access to like Disney Plus and whatever. So I get like ESPN Plus. So it's, it's worth the money. But then I also get like Peacock for having my access to uh, Comcast or Xfinity or right. whatever they call it. So it's like you just have these services, but, like, there's just really no need for me to have cable. Like, right now, when people talk about a TV show that's on, like, NBC or ABC, like, unless the commercial comes up during, like, you know, like, right now, during NBA, like, finals or playoff game, I don't even know the show exists. Yeah. Like, seriously, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> people are like, oh, have you seen this? I'm like, no. what? And I'll ask them, like, oh, is it on, like, Netflix or Hulu or whatever? And they're like, oh, no, it's it's on NBC. Or I'm like, oh. And you're like, thanks, Grandma. I'll yeah, check exactly. it out. <laughs> well, at least now if it's on NBC, I'm like, okay, cool. I can probably get it on Peacock yeah, P- K- so eventually. But like, there's shows I couldn't watch for a minute because I'm like, ah, I'm not going to make time for that, and they don't have it on their streaming service yet, so I'm just not going to see it. You know, at this point, who doesn't have a streaming service? No, the problem is some of them. I think there, like, there was a point where, uh, man, what was that show? It had the dude that played Luke Cage, and it was like a supernatural thing. Oh, evil! Yeah, for whatever reason, there was a period, like a period of time where it wasn't like you had to watch it the full season, like for real, on the regular channel. Yeah, and then it say, showed up point, on Paramount. Point, Plus. Every network has its own streaming. Oh service. Yeah, yeah, it's just a matter of when it shows up on one or the yeah. other or whatever. That's the thing. Disney has two because they get all Fox's content now. Yeah, that's, that's a little weird. But, you so know. Disney has all ABC <laughs> and Fox's content. But hey, you know, ABC, Disney, get that money. You know, might as right. well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we are moving more and more to a cable world, effectively. And we're moving to a lot of user-generated content stuff. And man, when, when those cable companies finally die, that, that's going to be just... Well, you know, we're starting to see a lot more companies reaching out to creators to do advertising because, one, it's going to be a lot cheaper, first off. Two, you can also target certain demographics a lot easier, right? Like, if you come to me, average person's probably going to be male because that's, like, 94% of my audience, right? You're going to get definitely the sweet spot because my whole audience is between, like, 25 and 45, so, like, the people that are spending or whatever. It's like, you know exactly who you're targeting. Whereas if you go buy a commercial, while the general demographics of the show that you're you're advertising on might be a certain thing, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs that are worthless to you. But you're paying for the whole package of viewership. Right? So you're starting to see a lot of that. And for creators, like, you throw somebody a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for some of them, that's going to be huge. Whereas you ain't going to get away on a network show for under probably 100K. Mm-mm. You know, so it's it's really interesting because the but, people that are
0: still watching network TV probably have money because they're going to be older yep. <laughs> in most cases. Yep, they got I, their
1: 401k and Social Security and all. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I will say this, though, I, I think that does say a lot about the whole parasocial relationship that people have with creators and whatever. And and I know people like to talk about that. Like it's a super negative thing. And I don't think it's so much negative. Now I think it can be negative.
0: Yeah, obviously, stuff like swatting is a thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. or people people doxing just get obsessed with people. Like, obviously, that could be a problem. But in fairness,
0: those are things that you know people that are people that are famous have dealt with since the the beginning. Sure, TV stars and movie stars have unfortunately. Always had to deal with the that. stan. That's the, that's yeah, the reason exactly stan <laughs> is a term, it's been turned into a positive
1: term. But Eminem's song, Stan, is not a positive song, by the way. That's still one of the best stories in a rap right. song, like it really is. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting just seeing, like, okay, cool, we're in a world now where this type of content is so much a part of people's lives that those relationships and those bonds and that familiarity is a lot more common and a lot stronger than I think a lot of us were giving credit to. So it's really cool to see that. So, you know, for everybody who came out, thank you. Uh, Hopefully I'll get to meet the rest of you at some point over the next year or two, as we're going back to more events. But uh, let's talk about some other interesting news that came up this week. A couple of days ago, we all got surprised when Woods of the Coast decided they were going to announce Standard rotation is now three years instead of two starting this fall. So there will not be a rotation of the cards from what would be 2021. They are going to stay standard legal, or I guess 2022. They're going to stay standard legal through 2024, which is kind of interesting, you know, and it was weird because the news came out while we were (laughs) at the uh, show in Minneapolis. And I didn't even know what happened. People are like, what do you think about the announcement? And I'm like, the cards or whatever, because you know, they were showing like Doctor Who stuff and whatever. So I was like, I don't know. But it was like, no, 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 about standard. I'm like, what about standard? And they're like, you didn't hear. And I'm like, oh, I guess that happened. So I had to record a video from my like I saw Airbnb room, or which I look like I'm in like a hostage room or whatever. Because like, right, look, well, you know, <laughs> blink twice if you need help. Cue <laughs> well, dude, because you know a lot of the Airbnb rooms I try to keep them like non-offensive, yeah. so there's not like artwork on the wall or whatever. Right. But, no, it was, in, it was a fine little place. I had no issue with it. And it was super cheap, by the way. It was really nice. But I I guess people thought I was going to have, like, a drastic reaction to it. But it's really not. Like, my okay, my first issue is this. People who want things to rotate faster, we tried this in, it was either 2016 or 2017. And before we even got to the next rotation... There was so much hate mail, and so many people were angry online, and they just said, you know what, we're just going back to a two-year thing. Because they'd moved it to 18 months, I believe. It was a year and a half, and they were going to rotate. And people were having none of it. So that is definitely not an answer. Like, I get it. When it goes stale, you'd rather cards move, and you think you... Like, players do not like that. Not for standard, they hated it. So that's just a non-starter. But a thing that's always come up is people saying well, I don't want to buy cards that I'm not going to be able to use in another year. And that's a that's a realistic conversation to have. That's really, I think, where I come down on it. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a legit conversation to have. But I think some people try to overdo the cost aspect when it's not as relevant as they think it is. And what I mean by that is, you know, ask anybody who has a store – you'll always have somebody come in and complain about standard because they're not going to want to spend $20 on a set of four cards that they're only going to be able to use for like two years, blah, blah, whatever. But then that same person will come in once a week and be buying $100 worth of Commander singles. You know, So you're spending it on whatever the hell you want to spend it on. Like, if you just don't want to play standard, you can justify you just don't want to play standard and you're making reasons why or whatever. But the cost is only so much of the argument. And as we've talked about multiple times on here,
0: less than one percent of us will ever play on the pro tour. Also if true. You, if you need to spend five hundred dollars on your standard deck because you want to win a Friday Night Magic, that's on you. That's a decision you have made. You know, <laughs> don't blame anybody else because a, a standard decks cost five hundred dollars. You can buy a starter deck and upgrade
1: it. You can you play won't. you can play mono red. A bunch of the mono green decks don't cost yeah. that much. Like there's several that you can get for under that value. But the fact that you don't want to take a risk on
0: losing at Friday Night Magic, because really that's what those when else do you play standard? Friday Night Magic and perhaps pre-release. Well, the pre-releases aren't even standard. So what else do you
1: play standard, Nicole? It, it, well, now we actually have tournaments we're playing standard again. Like the RCQs, yeah. the the regional championships, the how the pro tour this past weekend was was standard. And And again, if you're trying to compete
0: for the Pro Tour, yes, you should expect to spend a large amount of money because people are trying... For somebody that's attempting to make that their job, so to speak, is
1: going to spend a lot of money. Well, and and I tell people this, this is for everything. Like, magic is a hobby, and it's going to cost money. Everybody's hobby costs something, whether it's... Like, we talked about out there, some people... Rebuild cars or whatever, right? Some people yep. do woodworking or whatever. And right now, wood ain't cheap. I'll tell you that. No, no. like so, it, everybody has a thing. And hell, I know disc golfers that people figure out wonder how disc golfers spend. It's like, well, they're buying new equipment. They got to get always have nicer shoes, and maybe they got to get new sponsored shirts done or whatever. And then they got to travel to these events and hotels, and like you're gonna find a way to spend the money, you know. So. But yes, it's we would like it to be more affordable and all that. Like, totally understand that part of the argument. But moving cards to three years does actually help that way more than people think, because you know as well as I do. When you build a deck, even if you spend let's say three four hundred dollars, when a new set comes out, you're not buying four hundred dollars worth of new cards. Like, no. you're maybe buying twenty dollars, thirty dollars of new cards to Swap out one or two, or maybe a play yes, set or something. There's
0: something that comes out that actually changes your deck, yeah,
1: exactly. If it's a Especially for change.
0: sets that are you know, sets that are dramatic, like let's say you're going to an entire plane, you're probably you might not even get a new card for your deck because we've switched planes now. We're not yeah. on you know, uh, Phyrexia anymore, we're in Innistrad now, so you, you didn't get you know, any more giant. <laughs> giant ellis nor monsters for your deck because that's not the plane we're on anymore yeah
1: right no more phyrexians once we go to ixalan or eldraine yeah. or whatever so yeah I, i'm totally with that like i think three years really helps a lot more than people think it does at least from a cost perspective because now any money you spend you can just build on for the next whatever you know 24 months or whatever which is cool and then you, by then, I mean, in a two to three year stretch, if you can't come up with a hundred or $200 over that period of time to start buying other cards or lands or whatever, or prepping for the next rotation or whatever, I don't know what to tell you. That's a long period of time. You know what I mean? Three years is a long time. But and one of the
0: things they but, talked about now, there, there's no guarantee they'll do this. Cause you know, we were also going to we were going to change stuff at Alchemy far more than what they have been changing stuff. Correct. One of the things they have mentioned is that doing it this way will allow them to get data from a set. And as they're designing the next set, they can use some of that data to, to design things that will affect the, what will affect the metagame in as close to real time as you can, when you have to design stuff months and years ahead.
1: Yeah. And that, that's a good point too, because what I think people forget is when you see a card, it's often been in development for around a year and a half to 2 years before it even gets to you, right? It's it's been concepted, reworked, play tested, back to some type of rework, play tested again, artwork commissioned, printed, packaged, shipped to whatever eventually gets to you. So, sometimes if they do see an issue or a problem or whatever, and they would want to make a card that maybe could still come out in a year. It's already the problem's already going to be rotated out of standard. Yeah. And then the other issue is that problem's usually not big enough to even interact with another format. So they don't even really get a chance to rectify it. So, from an argument standpoint, that's kind of interesting.
0: It was funny. You know, I interviewed Mark Rosewater once, and it's almost like talking to a time traveler because they're trying to remember okay, before I say this, what's been spoiled? <laughs> what, what's out yet? Because he is essentially talking to me from the future because of how far ahead they decide.
1: Oh dude, that's real. Like even when I was at wizard and somebody would say something or ask me a question, I would literally pause and like, it would take me like a second or two to be like, yes, I can talk about that. Right. And then yeah. give him an answer. Cause you've been testing stuff. You're on an entirely different meta game than the rest of us. Oh, just not even that. Just the fact that I've seen stuff, you yeah. know, when, when somebody makes a reference to a thing, I'm like, "Is that a public thing everybody knows about, or not?" Right? right? And I You I'm like, have
0: knowledge of the future, like, "Oh, wait, yeah. I wasn't supposed to," <laughs> and, and you and you can't change the past, or else things will go badly. So you're yeah, exactly. really almost like me in the time travel, because
1: if you say the wrong thing, you have very much affected the timeline. <laughs> but I will say this: one of my concerns, again, and kind of you brought this up, is. The idea was we were going to get constant shifts and reworks or whatever for alchemy, right? And that didn't really happen. Like, now we kind of get one update somewhere in the middle of the season where they add some cards and maybe like a handful of cards get shifted or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever they call the redesign or whatever. And that's kind of it. Like, and So
0: much of it is just, hey, it's here. And by the time new stuff is out, it's gone.
1: Yeah, the idea... And I think we all felt was like something like every three weeks or so in a season, yeah. if something was too dominant, there would be a little bit of a shakeup. So during the course of a season, you kind of get three or four mini standards between the sets, right? Because of alchemy changes. And that just hasn't happened. So that that does alarm me a little bit because I question how – because it's a tough line, right? We don't want there to be a lot of bannings. But nobody enjoys that. But if you take a deck like any of the black-red heavy decks right now, playing like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair, Shieldred, whatever, if those or that package of cards becomes the most dominant thing for people to play, well, you need to be able to ban at least one of those to shake up what other cards can be played in the format. Because otherwise, those cards stay dominant. All the way until maybe the last like six months there in this new standard. But you're going to lose a lot of players between them. Right? Nobody's going to want to deal with that for a year, year and a half or whatever. So you have to be able to do that. And I don't know if they're comfortable doing that or not. Mm-hmm. Like they might be.
0: And now as I always admit, I am the minority in, in the way I, I build decks. I'm trying to build the weirdest thing. Like when Dungeons and Dragons came out, I built... I built the party mechanic and after, you know, much, <laughs> much work and many losses of the ladder to decide, you know what, this isn't going to work, but I'm sure in the future set, that there'll be, you know, more support for this. And then they they even admitted like, nah, that, that just didn't hit. <laughs> we aren't making it to work for that. And so, yeah, it, it just died. But had they had a little bit more time, they could have looked and gone, okay, yeah, this didn't work. Here's why, as opposed to with stuff rotating the way the way it does, just well, yeah, party just failed. We just ain't gonna worry about it. <laughs> Get in the rearview mirror, please. Failed game. Oh again. yeah,
1: yeah. No, that that part I like that you can build on things that I don't have a concern with. It's just the concern of if something's too dominant, what are we gonna do about it? Because man, having to live through a whole extra year right now—that's people's concern of like. Am I going to still be dealing with Shieldred, Invoke Despair, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, whatever, for the next 12, well, at this point, the next 18 months? Right? Like, I don't know if people are going to sign up for that. That's the real issue people have right now. I mean, the hopefully the next
0: set will have some things that, if not direct answers, at least provide you something
1: more interesting or at least you would hope. competitive to play with. But again, this comes back to people are going to get to save money because they don't have to rework a whole deck. So if they already and own the parts for the deck, they're still going to be playing them. And, you're and if going the be next to set it. comes
0: out and yeah, nothing's good, that's not a standard did not rotating fast enough problem. That's a, we didn't design cards at the same power level as the previous set of cards. That's a whole, that's a different issue. really. Well,
1: yeah. And there's the thing, right? Because the next thing people would compare, complain about if you did is power creep. Yeah. Because we made standard too strong. We don't necessarily want that. And I'll guarantee you they're not gonna do it again because they already got all the hate for Eldrain two years ago or whatever, three right. years ago. Right. So they're not gonna do that again. I'll guarantee you. I I would be willing to take any better money right now that they were way more restrained with Elstra with Eldrain because of what happened last time. Yeah. So that, that's part of a problem.
0: but Because in theory, we're telling a story here like, yeah, I remember that time the Phyrexians showed up and destroyed everything in the next set. Yes, but then, you know, a bunch of brave planeswalkers showed up and this cool thing happened. And that story really doesn't work unless whatever comes next is powerful enough to defeat whatever the
1: big bad was in the previous set. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know how it's going to play out. but it's. But I think the experiment is still worth doing right? Because we've had two year standard for all but a year in there, you know, so basically for for 22 years or something. Yeah, actually probably longer than that. <laughs> I'm like, think about it, it's probably been closer to about 26 years. So a long time, right? And that's all we've really done. So it's like, why not try this? Even if we just go one three year window and just say, okay, we tried it. It either worked or it didn't. But I will say this, the timing felt a little peculiar, but they also said it was kind of like the first step, which makes me feel like there's other things coming, yeah. whether it's, hey, if you go play standard F in your local store, we have these really sweet promos, or maybe there's going to be this special thing. If you play so many standard events, you get whatever in arena or whatever, like yeah. something that's going to be encouraging people to play more standard. I think there's a lot of ways they could do it. And over the last few months, like we said, there's been the Pro Tour, these RCQs, the regional championships that have been focused on Standard to kind of get it back in people's minds. And I feel like you had to kind of make this announcement. So when you make the next announcement of whatever the next step is, step two, step three, whatever, people are already in the mindset of like, okay, I can invest in Standard and it's okay. Right? Because if you make that announcement, say, in – whatever step two is in July or August, like, hey, do this thing at FM, play standard, this thing happens. Now you already have people on board with like, you know, I'll at least try it. Let me go find what a cheap standard deck is. I'll build one, go give it a go, see how I like it or not, right? Because those cards aren't gonna go to waste because they can still use them for a minimum of another year, some of those cards for another two years. You know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of it to at least let this play out. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Like, let's see, because... What's the downside, right? Right now you have people that have been reluctant to play standard because they didn't want to buy cards. They were just going to rotate too quickly, whatever. You're trying to get people back off their butts and out of their rooms to go out and play standard again. Because, and a lot of people do want to play standard. I see a lot of comments in a lot of these responses on YouTube videos, whatever people say, man, I really hope standard takes off. I'd like to play standard again. I remember this time when I used to go play standard stuff, blah, blah. So there is a want there. So maybe this, this pushes things in the right direction. I don't know. But it's at least worth checking out. But another bit of magic news that surprised everybody on Tuesday was Aftermath just went live two days early. And nobody was prepared for that as it turns for our, out. Our, our, our second
0: uh, Dr. Dre River This is the millennium of aftermath. <laughs> it really is.
1: Really is. Maybe that's what I need to name the title of this. There you go. Uh, but really, I'm acting like I did
0: that on purpose.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I think, and for me, it was a problem because I had content already scheduled and ready to go, and then it's like, oh, well, now I have to do something with aftermath, or my other content is just going to be <laughs> garbage. So you know. That caused an issue. But it's interesting because people had all these theories as to why it came out early and this, that, and the other. And I think it's actually a pretty simple explanation, which is the only reason I really wanted to mention it, is that for anybody who was aware, Arena was having some issues on Android, on mobile, for a couple of days. And I did see that news coming out of the weekend, so people were having issues with it on Monday or whatever. And my guess is, they got whatever it was fixed because it seems like it fixed the issue. I haven't seen anybody complaining about it. And that's kind of what made me put two and two together. And if you already fixed whatever the problem is, if you're going to push out a hot fix and they have to download something, you don't want them to download a thing. And then sometime in the next 48 hours or 36 hours even be like, oh, yeah, now you got to go download Arena again. That would suck. You know what I mean? So it's just like just push it all in one update. You can clear the server traffic or whatever. Just tell everybody, hey, this is live. Whatever. It's just a Tuesday update that has a bunch of stuff in it, and, I, and I'm okay with that. Like it was a, like I said, it busted my schedule up a little bit. Whatever. Only a problem because they had announced when it was going to go live, and then this thing. But you know, stuff happens, and it's only two days. It's not the end of the world. But you know, some neat cards. I don't know how much they shake up standard yet. I'm still goofing around with things. I'm seeing some other people building decks and trying stuff. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the idea of a small set just coming out, you know, 50 cards, whatever. But I think it's a neat idea. I like, And I don't know if I talked about this last week or the week before, but, like, my issue with Aftermath is, like, I like the idea of just saying, like, hey, we're trying to complete the story, but we didn't want to tell too much of the story at once and give away things or whatever. Here's the extra 50 cards to finish off the story, and you get some extra added stuff to standard. Right, just a little boost. It's still basically a 300 card set or whatever, but we gave you 250, and here's 50. They were just separated. My problem is in paper how it's packaged. That's my issue of just like these weird five card packs, and then like they still tried to have collector's boosters and bundles, and like, but it's only 50 cards, so it's just like a weird opening experience. And like, I felt like one of these cards had either been in two commander decks. That just between them had all the cards or whatever. Or something where you could just pre-buy like a pack that has all the red cards, all the green cards or whatever. Some some pre-packaged thing. And then you just buy however many quantities of whatever you need to get. I think that would have been better for something like this. It just doesn't work for their traditional packaging and distribution, unfortunately. But the cards I've seen so far and the stuff I mess with looks kind of cool. I'll keep an eye on it over the next couple of days and we'll see what creators do with it. But let's talk about some Star Wars stuff. And honestly, Star Wars doesn't come across our stuff that often. And sadly, when it is, it's usually because of something like this. And in this case, so as you don't know, there's an actress, uh, last name Ingram, I believe Moses Ingram is her name. And there's a new Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming to, I believe, Disney Plus in sometime soon. And they had announced that Ingram was gonna be one of the leads, you know, playing Inquisitor Revis, I believe is the name. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. R-E-V-A-S. I'm sure Star Wars folks are gonna yell at me.
0: And Star Wars people be uh <laughs> get out of pocket, be unreasonable. <laughs> the heck you say.
1: Yeah, right. Speaking of, apparently, according to her, from the minute she was announced as being one of the main characters. Instagram blew up with negativity. And I'm like, I'm what's sad is I'm not even surprised. Like if you go back, the Asian woman that was in the recent three star Wars movies, like she basically had to shut down all of her social media just for being in star Wars. Like John Boyega got some hate because he came to her defense and he kind of still stood his ground despite dealing with all the hate, you know? And it's just like, what's the anger? Like, that's
0: the part I don't get. Sadly, this uh, rampant racism and sexism has become on brand for Star Wars fandom and it needs to stop.
1: For sure. Like, and here, here's the thing, and we were talking about this last night, actually, or maybe the night before. I didn't even consciously think about it because I've always felt like, and this is where I really get hate, so brace yourself, but the original three Star Wars movies, I give credit for Lucas being visionary, right? Literally turning trash cans into robots and making it look like the Millennium Falcon's racing through the stars and all that. That's great. Story is not great. I don't care what you try to tell me. Writing is so bad that, like, they had a dude accidentally kissing his sister or whatever because they changed it in the next movie or what You know what I mean? Like, dialogue's not great. That's a Lucas thing. Whatever. But I get it. I get the nostalgia. I get why it has the appeal to people. But for some reason, it just never stuck with me. And I don't know why. Like, I enjoyed it, but it didn't hit me like that. But I caught myself enjoying later Star Wars movies more. And I never really could put my finger on why or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. The middle three, I think we can all agree Star Wars fans are not. At least the middle one of the middle three is not good. <laughs> like, it, it's just not. I don't care. We can say whatever. It's just not.
0: No! I mean, bro. You know, you know what? Let's be real.
1: You know what it is? The, the kid that got to play Anakin is was basically like a piece of paper. Like, and honestly, and here's real, too. The chick that plays Queen Amidala went on to be a fantastic actress. But they didn't give her nothing to work with for her role in Star Wars. Like, for real. That aside, once we kind of got past and we got into these new movies, I caught myself enjoying them way more than I enjoyed the older ones. And I don't know if it's the pacing of the movies or whatever, but subconsciously, I think the diversity mattered to me. And I and I, not in a way of like, I only like it because it's got like a Hispanic dude and an Asian woman and a black dude or whatever. But I think it was just like everything about it was different. The fact that like we have a black guy in there that's one of the leads and that's cool. And he happens to be a stormtrooper who's like breaking away. Like it's a whole different story and something different to watch. Like my favorite Star Wars movie for real is Rogue One. Like it's not even like the core Star Wars stuff. That one is excellent. That, that, for me, is by far... And it's not even close for me. Because when we were talking the other night, I literally said, okay, Rogue One, I have the top. And then there was a long pause, and I had to really think what was even number two. And I was just like, wow. Like, I didn't realize I felt that, like, that way about the Star Wars movies. Like, I don't even know. And there's so many I, I guess things. I would... Have,
0: if- I guess I would have to say Empire, just because the whole you know it, it it's become a it's become a noun you use to describe other
1: movies. Sure, this is that's our, fair. This is our Empire Strikes Back, you know, of, of the trilogy. Yeah, and I could I could respect that. Like somebody puts that number two, I'm not going to hate you for it. Like that that makes sense. But it, it's something I really thought about, and I started thinking about you know the new character. Now, the issue they have is these newer characters were not all that well fleshed out and that's a little bit of a letdown but even seeing how people have reacted to these characters you know when you see people going and doing stuff at like Disney World or kids going and buying toys and action figures and being excited for Star Wars stuff because the characters look like them or the little girls picking up the Rey action figure and well the fact that Rey stuff sold out Right. On week one of the new movies coming out, like when those toys hit the shelves, they were gone. They were struggling to get some back out in time for Christmas. And people going like, ah, this doesn't matter. Nobody cares. It's about like again, this comes back to if you like a property, whatever it happens to be, Magic, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever, you should want as many people as possible to engage with it so you get more high-end versions of whatever that thing is. Right? Because if not, those fans are going to go to something else. Like, you should want them to be part of your thing. And to be real, the people that are holding on to the nostalgia is like... Like, the Mandalorian is the best example for me. Like, the parts... The only episode I can actually say I think I really did not enjoy of Mandalorian was from last season where we had to deal with, like, Luke training Grogu or whatever. And I realized, like, man, I don't give a damn about the Skywalkers. Right, like not even a little bit, like seriously. Like I was almost let down when we had to connect Ray to the stock Skywalkers. (laughs) Yeah, I literally just don't care. I've always I've always talked about how people will make
0: fun of me for watching soap operas, but they like Star Wars. Star Wars is a soap opera with lightsabers in it. It really is. The, the biggest turning moment of Star Wars is, I am your father. That's a self-opera trope.
1: It Dude, is we, the main one. It's all about one family. Yes. We see the same, like, five or six locations. And they're struggling for power. Yeah. And not only that, people can't even decide on what is or isn't the Force. Right. 40, whatever. 60 years later, however long it's been. Right? Star Wars is young and the restless in space. <laughs> so yeah i i don't know like but you know coming back to the story like it's terrible when somebody i mean like imagine growing up being a star wars fan right or anything whatever that property is you're a fan of whatever tv show movie series whatever and the directors writers whatever come to you and go you know what we have this role coming up we think you'd fit perfectly for it whatever and that's probably like a dream gig. Yep. And then you're like, "Man, I've been a super fan all my life. This is awesome. This is one of the things I always hoped would happen, whatever." And then you're just getting hated on because you accepted a role. Like that doesn't even make sense. The person's literally done nothing wrong. They don't have like same thing with the the previous 3 we talked about being in the other Star Wars movies. No bad history, great interviews, highly personable people just got hated on because somebody wrote a role for you. Like, that's terrible. And I feel bad for this woman in this series because she seems genuinely positive about being in it.
0: Everything I have, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but everything I've heard is that she is incredible and a revelation. And one of the characters, you know, that you will just, 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 I mean, captivate the screen
1: when she's on camera. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if and if they're good at it, that should get you even less flack, because they're dedicating to the role. Like, how are you ah, like? I don't know. Maybe and it's like, because,
0: and like you said, while I love you know the the, the original movies, yeah, they're just shows like uh, Andor. I, I I get you know, I mean, you sit there praying that no Jedi show up because for real, the,
1: the show is so good without them. Dude, you have no idea how badly every time like they make a reference to a certain thing in Mandalorian, I'm literally thinking like, please keep them out of this. Like, for real, just like we don't need them. The show is fine. Don't 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 involve these other groups. So, yeah, I don't know. By the way, if you haven't watched Mandalorian, good stuff. Like, I've enjoyed all of it that I've seen. But, yeah, man, I just think we got to get off this whole negativity thing. And maybe it's because, like, I grew up in sports. The only thing we care about is can you ball? Right, we don't care if you're Samoan. We don't care if you're you're Mexican. We don't care if you're white. We don't care whatever. Like, can you ball? Right, that's that's all I care. And if you can't, you're gonna get trash talk, and we ain't picking you next time. Right, like that's all that matters. Same thing with other stuff. I like though. Like you know, if you're watching wrestling, hell, we grew up with people of all kinds right. of weird backgrounds. We had people yeah. pretending to be other backgrounds for diversity because yes. there wasn't enough people. <laughs> like for real, like. One man of, the one-man game became Hakeem
0: the African Dream or whatever, right. you know? Like Out of the 30 people, you know, that tried to get heat by being Russian, I'm going to guess probably not two of them were. Exactly.
1: That's what I'm saying. So I don't even understand when you get somebody who actually is of a thing, let them be, you know? Like if they play their role right and they do the job, great. Get them back and let them do it again. Like I I just can't wrap my head around being so angry that I don't want somebody in my space just because they're different? Now, if you could show me where maybe this person said a lot of negative things about Star Wars in the past, and now she's just taking a paycheck because it's there, then I would totally be on board. Because now you're like, hey, I'm a fan of this thing, and you were trash-talking me a couple months ago, and now if they offer you a job, you're all in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, then you have a legit reason to hate somebody. But if you don't, Just let them do their job. Seriously. But anyway, this kind of ties in loosely to the dinner table question. And this past weekend in Minneapolis, I got to sit on a panel about diversity and magic. And we talked about kind of past, present, future stuff. What was helpful? Where things went? Or where things are going? What played a big role? And one of the th- questions that came up was like, how do we keep moving things forward? what should we be doing? Whatever. And one of the conversations I got into was trying to explain to people. Yes. It's nice to appoint people that are different for all, all different minority groups and, you know, whatever to higher positions because that helps. It says like, Hey, we respect this group whatever the group is, enough to put somebody here. We we respect their expertise, whatever. But at the same time, you need multiple people at different levels to do it. And I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, it's the understanding of, especially in a game like Magic, it is so wide-reaching when you talk about competitive play, casual play, commander stuff the story stuff for the Vorthos people. It might be art stuff. You know, people like Remy that are just doing magic parodies or whatever, right? There's so many levels of magic that people could interact with that you don't know what their touch point is going to be. So if we go and like, okay, we're going to make the efforts to make sure there's more people in the competitive scene or whatever. Okay, cool. Well, if a person just plays kitchen table magic or casual at their local store, they're never going to see those people. So you need kind of representatives in that group. or. You know, we got to hire some artists of color or whatever, because if somebody's into art or whatever and every show they go to is all they see is white artists sitting around, it's going to be kind of weird for them. Because they're going to be like, well, I kind of want to do magic art, but none of the artists look like me or have my type of style or whatever. So maybe I don't apply to be a magic artist.
0: Right. And even if it's not by design, people will often assume
1: <laughs> that it's by design. So it has the same impact. That's very true. And, and that's hard to avoid. Like. You do act difficult to
0: be, be, you know, the first the first person of color, the first woman.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, again, look at the Star Wars crowd, right? Yeah. The first person who takes a lead role that's different. You got hell to pay, right? Because it hasn't been normalized enough. And some people aren't built for that. You know, I tell people I was lucky to be in a situation where, well, unfortunately also growing up in the South, having dealt with a lot of stuff, but because of all that and having run a business and been a part of the industry whatever, when I got into content and the hate came, that was, that was rookie numbers. Right. right like for real, like, I'm like, y'all ain't even knowing the stuff I've done through already. So like, Y'all ain't even getting my time a day. Like, yeah. I mean, like,
0: like covered small town city councils. Bring it. it
1: yeah. Was, that's what I'm was. saying. Right. So like these people didn't even, they don't even register with me. Like they're, they're bringing stuff that I've already dealt with 20 years ago. Like they're not even being original. <laughs> if I had been paid off by all the people I've been accused to be a paid off
0: by, I wouldn't still be working, bro. Tell me to be able it. to retire. I have I been mean, uh, according to people in my comments, I've been on Microsoft. I've been on all Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo's payroll. I've been on numerous uh, apparently suburban city council payrolls and agitators. Dude, man. you know what?
1: I I gotta I gotta say, for the first time, I think when I did a series like the the three year standard thing came out, and I gave an even keeled like here's the good and bad, here's what I like, don't like. I didn't for the first time didn't have a single person say, oh well, Wattsy probably paid you to make this video. Like usually there's at least a couple because you think differently than them. You obviously have to be on the take first time that did not happen. And the video has a hundred percent for like dislike ratio. Never happened on a video like that. I don't know what, I don't know what changed. I don't know if I finally cultivated my audience correctly or whatever, but I was stunned to look at it like a couple days later and be like, huh? All right, then like, I don't know, maybe I got a little faith back in humanity. I don't know. <laughs> like, But yeah, I, I think at all levels, we have to be more cognizant of like who we're interacting with, who we're inviting in, making sure at whatever level we're at, we're doing our part to allow space for those other people. Whether it's for them to tell their stories, for them to be present, for them to be part of our projects, to be on our streams or YouTube shows or whatever it is, because you don't know where people's first touch points are going to be because the benefit we have of something like magic is that it's vast but it also means that's a lot of ground to cover it's not like if you do something for some video games it's kind of like okay they're competitive or they're not and here's our competitive scene and that's kind of it right there's all these different levels unless it's like Pokemon or something because that's another one that's wide reaching Yeah, but for the most part We're in a property that just has so many different angles that it's a lot of ground to cover. So it takes a lot of people and a lot of opportunity for folks. And I think the other thing, too, to be clear about is I'm not saying just choose somebody over somebody else just because they're a person of color. But it's like if things are equal, be like, hey, why don't we give an opportunity to a new person, new group? I don't know, a trans person, an Asian person, a woman, whatever, because we don't have one that we've showcased on our show we don't have one that's written anything for us we don't have one that's done any artwork for us
0: and i promise you if your room doesn't have diversity you're missing out on stories you're missing out on content it has never worked any other way you're not wrong like i i I can look at a you know a a website a, a newspaper tv station whatever and just Consuming an hour of their content, I can tell you how many or how few people of color, no diverse backgrounds, work there.
1: Oh, dude, we even just because certain questions
0: would have been, like we talked. One of the things we talked about, I forget whether it was a soapbox or or what did we learn or what. But that whole t- time where I think what did I say was it? was it? Bed Bath and Beyond that did the watermelon candles for black? Oh History yeah, Wonder? yeah. <laughs> you know. No black people were consulted before they came out with that.
1: Yep. Or if there
0: were black people in the room, they didn't feel they had authority to speak up on anything. Because somebody would if Mir DeQuan have been in the room like, hey, hey, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> Here's multiple reasons why. Let me lay them out for you.
1: Yep. And I and I think that's part of it too, is just understanding. You know, and like I said, even we've dealt with it, right? There's things we only know because we've dealt with other people. You know, there's we bring it up a lot of times on the show. There's some things we only know that goes on with women because we've talked to other women. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, if we don't talk to women, we don't know what's going on. Same thing that like when I did my my panel this weekend, some of the stuff I was mentioning to people, I knew it was gonna make some people uncomfortable, but you could literally see people go like, oh crap, that happens. Like, oh crap, that's a thing. And I had some people come up afterwards and go like, "Oh, man, I didn't know or I didn't realize this was a problem or whatever, because they never have to deal with it. Yeah, so they don't even know it's a thing. and and that's not their fault. It's just if you're not in those spaces and you don't socialize with anybody in those spaces, how would you know? The only way you're gonna know is by inviting those people in. So yeah, at every level, it makes a difference. and And I agree with you totally. Like your experiences, your stories, your life, your projects are all going to be better if you have those extra perspectives in there. And hell, if anything else, it'll help you get your content better, it'll help you make more money. Yeah. Like Your stuff will just have a wider appeal overall. Boom Brian. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and so we'll wrap things up.
0: All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After.
1: You can find me just about everywhere, PowerDragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And the panel from the weekend, if anybody's interested in the diversity panel, should be up sometime over the next week. So if you follow me on socials, I'll be sure to link it and everything else. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family, and remember to be awesome, and most importantly, remember to be awesome to each other if you'd like to further support color of magic you can find us at our website at color we also have a patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.